Hey guys, this is a little bit of a special episode because it's just me, no guest this week, no interview. This is actually a talk that I'm planning on giving uh, to organizations and hopefully on college campuses about sex and sexuality and a course that I'm going to teach for men. So I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts. This is Secrets of a Sex Researcher. Secrets of a Sex Researcher. I can't wait to talk to you about sex. Um, before we begin, though, I just wanted to really say thank you for showing up. I'm on a mission to get this research out there because I know it can help you have better sex on an individual level, but ultimately it's about more than that. It's about changing the course of your relationships for the better and everyone that you have relationships with. So I just want to stress that I appreciate you taking the time to be here and learn, especially if you're a man, not all guys are like that, and the really good news is that being that kind of man is going to help you have hotter sex. So congratulations. Um, and also know that at the end, if this work speaks to you, there will be a way to go deeper. So let's get started. All right. So I'm a sex researcher, right? So obviously I'm going to start with a story about sex. And this story takes place a few years ago. I had recently started dating a guy when I got a new job and the training was out of state. So I was... Um, on my way to the airport, and he said that he would drive me, which was really nice of him. So he did, but long story short, uh, we actually ended up missing the flight. I missed my flight, and this made me really anxious because uh, I knew the training was going to start the next day at noon, and I really wanted to make a good impression for this new job. So what did he do? He said he would drive me. Now, this was incredibly nice of him because it was already like 6 or 7 p.m., which meant an all-night road trip to get to the city I needed to go to. And in in addition to being generous, it was also like super romantic and adventurous. So we decided to do it. I'm already packed. We're ready. We're just going to go. So there we are on the road, on this road trip. And around midnight, he starts getting frisky in the car. And one thing leads to another. We end up getting off the freeway and pulling into this grassy area and having sex on the grass. So that sounds super sexy, right? Actually, there are some important things about that story that I didn't tell you. Some things that involved me and sex and how I talked to him about it or didn't. And these things were a problem a problem that eventually ended up being critically important in the relationship. And this is a large part of why I do the work that I do, including creating this talk and the Please Her in Bed course I'll tell you about later, because I found in the course of my research that this problem was coming up for other people as well. It was showing up in other people's relationships. So when I set out to research sex, I wanted to know how we're having it and what it's doing in our relationships. Um, but before we get into that, there's just a few things that make me uniquely suited to do the kind of research I do, and I just want to go over those. So this is me, Melanie Curtin. I am primarily a writer, so these are a few of the publications I write for, Inc., LinkedIn, Huffington Post, Elephant Journal. I hold a master's in communication from Stanford. 
I've been featured on the Today Show in Australia. I write for these publications, and many of my pieces do very well, so I have over 10 million page views worldwide. It's actually probably more than that by now. And earlier in my career, I co-founded a nonprofit to stop sexual abuse. So I have a background in communication, journalism, and healthy and unhealthy sexuality. Um, Now, I want to go over a little of the demographics of the research that I'm going to go over with you today so you know who, who we're talking about. So this research comes from over 3,000 survey respondents, and I parsed it over the course of several research studies. So this is combined research um, from several different surveys. The respondents were primarily in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, so 80% were in that age range. The total age range was actually 17 to 79 years old, total age range. About half were single, half were in relationships, and then 10% said it's complicated because there's always the people that say it's complicated. Um, We've all been there. And a a large portion of that percentage was people that were separated from spouses, so they weren't sure what was going to happen with their marriage. And then perhaps the most important thing about my research is this next point, which is that it is anonymous. So These surveys are always anonymous. This means that I elicit things and people share things with me through my research that they may not be telling anyone else in their life. In a way, this research is like a confessional. It's completely anonymous and people will often offer things that they might not ever share in another circumstance. All right, so I want to make sure that the kind of research we're talking about will be of value to you. So I'd like to ask if you can relate to any of these things if you are a man. This is, um, this is from a study that I did on men's top sex problems. So men, can you relate to any of these? Have you ever been afraid of not pleasing your partner, i.e. not doing it right? One guy in one of the respondents said, um, fear of doing a bad performance and not being invited back. Do you feel like you're always the one initiating sex? This is especially if you're in a relationship or you've been in a relationship where you feel like you're always the one that's initiating. One guy said, if I don't, we won't. Does it often feel like your sex drive is higher? Like your libido is always more than it is for your partner? And have you ever felt like maybe there's even something wrong with you? Like your libido is too high. Like your sex drive is just too much. Okay. So the fact is that a lot of men's emotional experience of sex is I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I remember in one of my surveys, I asked men, what's one thing you wish you could have told a previous partner about the sex with no sugar coating? And there was one word that showed up over and over and over. A lot of men across demographics said this word, and that word was more. I need more. Please more more, please. So like I said, a lot of times the emotional experience for men is I'm hungry. And, and the truth is that most men feel helpless to solve these problems. So look, in this talk today, you're going to learn something that most men who are confused about women will never figure out. I'm going to take you behind the curtain to reveal things about women you might not have heard before and then give you the key to solving the problems we just talked about because I don't want you to have those problems. I don't want you to have them. I don't want couples to have them. I want this to be over. So in order to do that, I'm going to need you to go on a journey with me into the female mind starting with mine.
So I'm going to take you back to that car because the first time I told you the story, I did it from an objective perspective, like as if it was seen from a drone. Um, But now I'm going to tell you what was actually happening on my side. And that's this. I really wanted to be into it. I wanted to love the experience start to finish, but actually it kind of hurt. So when he started touching me in the car, his hands were too rough. It was too rough and it hurt my sensitive lady parts. (laughs) I really wanted to let him in and let go and enjoy it, but actually it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. So by the time we pulled over to actually have sex, my parts were hurting and even the intercourse itself didn't feel very good. And what I've found is that I'm very much not the only woman to experience this. In fact, when I asked women about their top sex problems, here's what the number one was. Women's number one sex problem is pain. It turns out that it hurts is a common experience for women when it comes to sex. And I can tell you, because I look at this stuff, that this simply doesn't show up in the research for men. This is not a sex problem for most men, and it is for most women. Women say things like this. Fingering too rough causing anxiety rather than stimulation. Fear, like I need to protect my body from painful and unwelcome stuff. Painful intercourse. Too much pressure slash too rough. Men are rough. I call it porn sex. Now, I know that this is hard to hear. And like I said, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to solve these problems. (laughs) So basically, um, to summarize, men are experiencing, I want more and women are experiencing pain. Now, this is kind of a big deal because it dramatically impacts how much a woman can enjoy herself. If she's in pain, it's obviously also going to impact how good she perceives you to be in bed. And I was really particularly curious about this last part, about how many men are good in bed. So I also asked a bunch of women, over a thousand women actually, how many men are good in bed? And here are the results. Here's what women said. Three out of four women said, 60% plus of men are not good in bed. And I was particularly interested in the percentages reported by experienced women because if a woman has only had one or two partners, her percentages are skewed. So I I separated the data out to just experienced women. In this case, uh, we defined it as having had over 20 partners. And this is what they said. So one in three experienced women, 20 plus partners said... 90% plus of men are not good in bed. The conclusion, most men aren't pleasing most women in bed. Now, like I said, I know this can feel daunting and there's a solution here. There's a solution that actually solves both men's problems and helps women feel deeply satisfied in sex all at the same time. But first, there's something important that we should look at, which is why does this matter? Why does this matter? Why does it matter that most men aren't pleasing most women in bed? Well, here's one incredibly important reason. And this took me, this took me off, this caught me off guard as a researcher. So in the course of looking at the data, there was one statistic that I almost couldn't believe when I saw it. Um, So this is, I was asking men and women what I thought was a simple question, which was, have you ever broken up with someone because of the sex? And here's what the men said. Matt, have you ever broken up with someone because of the sex? 49% said yes. Okay, so 
basically half said yes. And this wasn't particularly surprising to me because sex is important to men and in our culture, it's arguably seen as more important to men than to women. So that is what made the next statistic even more startling to me. Women, have you ever broken up with someone because of sex? 61% said yes, okay? That's just over three in five women. And that 6% number you see, the other number, was heavily comprised of women saying, I've never done it before, but I'm thinking about it right now. So they were in relationships where the sex wasn't working for them, and they were considering breaking up with that man right then. So they hadn't done it yet. But anyway, so a lot of the um, 6% number was that. So I think that this real statistic is probably closer to 63 or 64%. And this is what it sounded like in women's actual words. I wish I could have made him see that it was so important for him to be more open and gentle with me that he would lose me if he didn't change. By the time I decided to leave, I wasn't even open to trying with him anymore. I think my bad sex life with my boyfriend may break us, but he seems totally satisfied. So what's really going on here? Why are there so many women reporting that men aren't satisfying them in bed? Like, are men really that bad or is there something else at play? Well, the first thing is I just want to validate. I just want to validate you guys. The first thing is that women really are more complicated, okay? When it comes to placing women in bed, they are complex. Not only is it true that what works for one woman doesn't work for another, but it's also just harder in general. And here's a little bit of proof from the research. I'm a bisexual woman, and women are more challenging to fuck than men are. It's slower, more foreplay, the cues are more subtle. So yeah, it's more work. Um, And just so you know, I left typos and grammar errors in the quotes because I wanted to keep them authentic. Um, so, So since women are more complicated, it's harder to know what we want. And it seems like an easy solution would be for us to just tell you what to do, right? Just speak up about what works for us and what doesn't. Which begs the question, why aren't women speaking up? Well, let me tell you why I didn't speak up. All right, so there's something else I didn't tell you about the interaction with me and Kyle, and that's the background. So before we had gone on this road trip, I had tried to tell him several times that the way he fingered me hurt, but I didn't say it like that. I didn't say it in an obvious way. The first time I said, hey, I really love when you touch me lighter with your hands. Too much pressure kind of numbs me out and then I can't feel anything. And what happened? He adjusted for about two minutes. And then he went back to the way he'd been doing it. The second time, I said, lighter, lighter, lighter. And the third time, I gave up. So I knew it was really hard for me to speak up about sex, and I wanted to see if it was the same for other women. So I asked them, did you ever speak up about what you needed or wanted sexually? If not, why not? And here's what they said. Most of the time when I try, they don't listen. They listen for two seconds and then move on in their old style. Be more gentle around my clit. Said it a couple times, but gave up. There's that phrase again, gave up. I have no problems telling a partner to touch me lighter, but they don't always get it. 
then it takes a while, I feel frustrated, I feel he's frustrated, then I don't want to anymore. I did tell them. They never listened. So again, I know that this is uncomfortable to hear, and I included it precisely because a lot of times it's the thing we're not talking about. I believe that when it comes to talking about sex, women aren't communicating emphatically enough, and men aren't picking up her subtle communications that are actually vitally important. We're missing each other, and this has serious implications in relationship. In fact, it's my hypothesis that unsatisfying sex is the secret relationship killer. And I say this because this pattern is common. A lot of women are communicating about sex but not really being heard, and then they're just backing away. Like what, what, what happened with me and Kyle. Like I never said clearly to Kyle, hey, this is actually a really big deal. I want our sex to be different. It's so major that I'm thinking of leaving because of it. This is a secret relationship killer because the women aren't saying, this is one of the major reasons I'm leaving. They're just leaving. So how did we get here? How did we fall into a sexual culture where women leave because of the sex and men have no idea why? Well, one primary reason has to do with a major pattern that emerged in the research when I asked people a simple question. What do you wish you could have told a previous partner about the sex? What do you wish you could have told a previous partner? With no sugarcoating, no, you know, there's no one here, again, anonymous, judgment-free, what do you wish you could have told a previous partner about the sex? Here's what the men said. I need her to tell me what she likes, what she needs. Tell me what feels good and what doesn't. What am I doing wrong? Show me how to do it right or how you like it. Take my hand. Take my penis. Show me. What am I doing right? Tell me while we're having sex so I won't stop or move. She won't tell me how to be better. And what do you think the women were saying? Okay, this is what the men were, this is what the men were saying. What do you think the women were saying? Here's what they were saying. About my likes and needs. Basically, everything that are my needs. How I wanted to be touched or how to touch. Be more specific about what I want and more important, what I don't. How to please me. So basically, we have the men over here on one side saying, I wish you could have told me what you needed. And the women on the other side saying, I wish I could have told you what I needed. Like star-crossed lovers. This constitutes a major divide in the research. Again, this isn't showing up on the other side. There aren't a lot of men saying, I wish I could have told her what I needed. And there aren't a lot of women saying, I wish he would have told me what he needed. This is, this is a gendered difference. This is a difference between the sexes. And this is a major divide. So why is this divide there? Why does this divide exist? Why is it so hard to talk about sex? Well, There's a really clear winner when it comes to what people say in terms of why they didn't speak up about sex, and that is feelings. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. This is what that sounds like. I try to tell him, but don't want to hurt his feelings or ego. Don't know how to communicate when I don't like something without shutting my partner down. Because I don't want to hurt my partner's feelings. Because it might come out as, you're really bad at this. Now, This is completely true. This isn't to say that this isn't true. This is absolutely, if someone had asked me, I would have said, yeah, I didn't want to hurt his feelings when it came to Kyle. But 
there's something else happening under the surface. And I want to talk about that. The real reason I didn't speak up in a more clear and direct way with Kyle is because I was afraid. Women are afraid. When I ask women, how hard is it for you to talk to a partner about what isn't working with that person sexually? 46% say seven or above. It's very, very hard. I believe it was about 10% of women that said 10, 10. It's it's basically impossible for me to talk about it. And I want to go over this because I think it's important to understand why why women are afraid. So there are basically four main things women are afraid of. The first is what I've been afraid of in my relationships. This was me with Kyle. Here's what I was afraid Kyle would say if I was honest. If I told him like, ow, it really hurts when you when you touch me like that with your hands. It really hurts. Oh yeah? You don't like how I do it? Well, fuck you then, you stupid cunt. I was always afraid that the man would feel criticized and lash out at me. And the fact is, This is actually valid fear. This does happen as it did to this woman. He was so emotionally fragile that if I tried to redirect him or tell him what I needed or wanted, he would get hurt and then bring up what I said in public to shame me. Or in another woman's case, there were times I asked him to go slow but didn't say it's because it hurts. Somewhere along the way, I did start saying it hurts, but he took it really personally. He said, what's wrong with you? You don't like sex? It ruined our relationship. And in this particular woman's case, this was a marriage that ended. This ruined the the whole marriage. Um, So other women are afraid of something else. Not all women are afraid the man's lash out. Some women are afraid of the man saying this. Nothing. Women are afraid the man will withdraw, stop trying, and leave. And here's what that sounds like. I'm not afraid he'll attack me or anything. I'm just afraid he'll turn away and never come back. So again, we're afraid that if we speak up, that the man will respond in these ways. The third thing that women are afraid you'll say is this. My last girlfriend was way easier and less work than you. You're broken. This word broken is heartbreaking. This comes up a lot in the research on the women's side. Again, doesn't come up on the man's side. Women often feel broken because they can't orgasm like other women do, or they feel like there's something wrong with their sex drive, or for a variety of other reasons. You know, there's body image stuff. There's a lot of stuff. And a lot of them are terrified of their partner telling them they're broken or that they're too much work. And I want to be really, really clear about this. No one is broken. No woman is broken. No man is broken. No one is broken. It's absolutely true that sometimes there's trauma that needs to be worked through and resolved in order to have a thriving sex life or to be able to have the kinds of orgasms you want to have. That's absolutely true, but no one is broken. So the final one is um, is that the thing about talking about sex is that it isn't always about, hey, this thing you do kind of hurts. Sometimes it's kinkier. It's like, I really like my hair being pulled, or I want you to choke me a little, or I'd love for you to call me names. And for a lot of women, the fear then becomes that you'll say this. Wow, you're really slutty. Yes, (laughs) this is still a thing. Yes, there are women who are afraid that they'll lose your respect if they're truly honest with you about what turns them on and what they want in sex. And this is what that sounds like. I've always had an easier time talking about and doing new things with a fling rather than my partner because I don't care what my fling thinks 
but I don't want my partner to think I'm a trashy whore. I don't want my partner to think I'm a trashy whore. So bottom line, the reason I'm telling you all of these fears, this is the bottom line. The bottom line is that it's not easy for women to be the ones who cross the divide. We need your help. We need your help. So here's how men typically try to help, okay? This is what men usually do. They either take a passive stance or an aggressive stance. So a passive stance is um, doing nothing. Um, And this is either A, a man who's unaware and doesn't know that she's not experiencing pleasure. This might be where I would put Kyle. Or B, they kind of know something's going on, but they're avoiding the conversation. They don't know how to bring it up. They don't know what to say. So they don't say anything. And aggressive uh, can show up in a few ways. One is you're frigid. It's your fault. You're broken. So that's blaming and sort of putting it on her like this is all your fault. Uh, Another is more subtle and it has to do with your tone. So for example, my old boyfriend, not Kyle, um, once went down on me and then said the following out of nowhere. He said, if you don't ever tell me how to get better, how am I supposed to know? And I shrank. I, I was confused about what prompted him to say that. I honestly, he was really good at going down on me. So I didn't know why, but more importantly, I felt like he was disappointed in me. I felt like I'd done something wrong. So I actually got smaller, um, less visible, less expressed, and was actually less likely to say something about sex in the future. So neither of those is ideal, right? There, those don't work. Um, but what if I told you there was a third way and it had to do with pussycats? Okay. So I want you to pretend there's a pussycat outside and you want to make it feel safe enough to come into your house. Now, if you're totally passive, the cat won't come in, right? It's just going to keep doing its thing outside. And if you're aggressive, the cat also won't come in the house. It's already skittish. It's already expecting you to be unsafe in some way. So one aggressive move on your part and you're going to destroy trust. So if you're looking to draw out a pussycat and make it feel safe, how are you going to approach the cat? Well, you know, you might leave out a dish of milk. Um, You might make little noises. You might sit on the porch near the cat and the milk and let it get used to you. Let it see that you're not going to attack it, that you're safe. And then over and over, you'll keep doing that. You know it's going to take more than one day, especially if it's a wild pussy cat. So over and over, you're going to keep showing the cat that you're safe, that you want it to approach, and that when it does, it will be safe. Crossing the divide is the same. Crossing the divide is about creating and then holding a safe sexual space, okay? So the key here is to consciously and deliberately create a space so the woman feels safe to share. Now, a lot of men think they're creating a safe sexual space when they say once, so what do you like or what do you want? And what's missing there is the awareness that that's actually a really vulnerable question that she's afraid of answering honestly many times, and that for some women, they actually don't know what they want or what works for them yet. So this ends up being a two-step process. The first step is to make it safe for her to share, okay? This is where you're creating the space. And you do this by saying things like, I really want this to feel good for you. 
I want to know if anything ever hurts or doesn't feel good. Again, because we know that pain is the number one concern for women, the number one problem for them in sex, I think it's a really good idea to be proactive about this and say, hey, like, I really want to know if anything I do ever hurts or isn't working, doesn't feel good. I want to know. And I want to know what's working and what does feel good. I would love to know, you know, so I can make sure I keep doing it. Um, You'll notice with all of these that they're not questions, Okay, they're not what do you want or what do you like? They're all creating a space, not expecting her to answer right away. Okay, they're statements that make it safe for her to share when she's ready. Women are at all different stages when it comes to being ready to share. Some will share right away, some will know their bodies really well, and some are going to take longer. So here you're just creating the space. Okay, and um, again, this contrasts with a lot of times men are like, oh yeah, I've totally talked to my wife about sex. And then when I dig deeper and we have a conversation, what they often mean is they've said to her, well, what do you want? What do you like? Which is not the same, again, as I really want to know what feels good for you. And I really want to know what I'm doing or what I could do more of to help you feel good. So anytime you want to share anything with me, I'm here. Now, step two, this is where you maintain the safety, you hold the space. This is the part where you're the oak tree. You are the man. You are the oak tree. You hold the space over time. You show her that you're still safe, that you still want to know, and that you're still here. And this is how you build a path across the divide. Because ultimately, this is a process of drawing her out, not assuming she already knows and is like holding back on you. Um, I'm also going to give you a really big hint here because there's a magical way to speed up this process, and that's this. If she gives you any feedback at all, say, thank you for telling me, and, and mean it. If you don't mean it, don't say it. But this is a really big deal because if she speaks up, she's often expecting you to attack or withdraw. If I, you know, you know, yes. If, if you actually say thank you for telling me, it creates a lot of safety for someone like me. I feel even more safe to tell you something again in the future, and I just feel relieved that you haven't attacked me, honestly. So in terms of building a path across the divide, every time you create the space, you're laying down a brick. Every time she actually tells you something and you don't lash out or shame or attack her, and instead say thank you for telling me, you lay down 10 bricks. Okay, honestly, you don't even need to do something spectacular. You just need to like not shame or attack her. So... This builds immense trust over time, okay? You, when she shares things with you, telling her that you appreciate that and that you, you're glad she spoke up, is, it's, it's incredibly valuable. So this is the third option, okay? You remember the, what men usually do? They're either passive or, or aggressive. This decision, this conscious decision to hold the space, to create and then hold it, this is the third option. This is to lead, Okay? So when you lead, you're not being passive. You're not assuming she'll tell you or waiting for her to cross the divide or waiting for her to create the space, okay? And you're not aggressive, either attacking her for bringing something up or shaming her for what you see as withholding from you by not communicating. Instead, you lead. You step forward and create the space and then hold it. And something magical happens when a man truly leads, okay? This next point, if you only remember one thing from this entire talk, please let it be this. 
When men lead, women melt. When men lead, women melt. When a man creates a space for me and invites me into it, I feel like I can finally let go. I can finally relax. I can open to you. I can surrender. I can experience pleasure from your touch. I can also be available for what you might want rather than just protecting my body. I'm more willing to try different kinds of stuff because I trust your lead. You see how you want to be with a woman who melts? (laughs) Let me just show you how powerful of an impact melting can have. Um, the people I've guided through this work, whether through the courses I offer or talks I've given, the men who focused on leading have had results like this. While going through the work, I thought, do I make my feel girlfriend, do I make my girlfriend feel comfortable sharing what she likes and what she doesn't enjoy in our sex? I started asking and she instantly said, well, actually remember last night, if you just kept going, I would have gotten there. This was really good to know. We've had lots more conversations since then, and they're always illuminating. Because something really great happens when the sexual communication is open and free, when the man leads and she opens up. And that's this. As her needs get met, your needs get met. Because some really cool stuff happens as you get to know her and and how to please her in bed. As you get to know that, as you get to know how to please her in bed, things like this happen. She enjoys sex more. So she initiates more. She's more into it. You feel, you feel more confident about how to please her. You're not stumbling around wondering if it's working. So you feel more confident in bed. And it strengthens the relationship. So instead of her breaking up with you over the sex, it's a reason for her to stay. Okay? Now, it's also important to sort of note that you don't have to lead in this way forever. Because at some point... You know, the pussycat comes in the house. (laughs) You crossed the divide. You crossed the divide. It leads to openness over time and to her genuinely feeling safe. So because what you're doing here is you're building a lasting path across the divide. So um, here's another result. This one's actually from the woman's perspective. I found that my work is intended for men, but it's also very good for couples. Going through this work with my husband was a great way to bond, laugh, and talk openly about our sex. Specifically, we discussed the need for him to ask more specific questions instead of, does it feel good, and how oral and hands are amazing, intercourse does not need to happen every time. This was in reference to a part of the course that goes into how 70% of women don't orgasm from intercourse, and that sex isn't just about that for women. So, um... And then the other thing is the, the question asking. There's a part of the course about the winning questions to ask in bed. Um, I think a lot of men only ask, does that feel good? Is that good? And that's not going to get you what you want. There's other questions. There are other questions that are far better and get you a lot more information. So we've been talking a lot about actual couples, people who are established and together. But this work isn't just for those couples. This is from a single guy. Using these strategies has made me more confident about talking about sex with a girl, which makes it even hotter. It also gives me more direction. I can figure her out better. I recently asked a girl about what she liked, and she said I was the first guy to ever ask her that. I was surprised and happy she opened up. I really like that one because I just feel, I really feel for that, that woman and just that encounter and, and having a man actually lead in that way. It's so, it just feels so good. It feels like I can just yeah, open up and relax. And it's just, I really like that one. Um, 
So the important thing here is to keep in mind that these guys started off where you are. Okay? They wanted things to be better sexually, and they made the decision to make that happen. This means that you can learn how to lead. You can learn how to lead. You can learn how to talk about sex with women and have sex with women in a way that truly holds the space and opens things up. You don't have to struggle to figure her out and then feel like a failure when it's not working. You can have all the adventurous sex you want, but you've got to learn how to lead. So what I've found is that most of the material out there for men around sex is created by other men. Um, It isn't based on real-world research, and it often doesn't take the woman's point of view into account. So it might talk about her body parts, but it won't address things like the divide and how to actually have her feel safe. And the 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 process of crossing the divide the step of crossing the divide it's just the first step okay it's great but it's not enough you may get the pussycat in the house but there's more you need to know to keep it purring with pleasure okay it's not the only thing you know um the only thing you need to know about pleasing women in bed so what i've seen work well for men is having a roadmap for how to lead and a place to ask questions of women where they can feel safe and not judged. And it was in response to this that I created something different. I created Please Her in Bed, a course for men designed by women. Basically, I wanted to make it easy for men who want to, to be great in bed. For you guys, but also for us ladies. And since I'm a researcher, I use data. I asked, like I said, over a thousand women about the men who were best in bed, and then I parsed the results. And I was looking for what lots and lots of women said made a man good in bed, not just what I thought. And I did discover patterns. Over and over, four big things kept coming up. There was a four-step process. And these were the things that women kept referring to when it came to the guys who drove them crazy in a good way, and that's what the modules are based on. So here's what the course includes. It's a step-by-step process. So step one is exactly how to cross the divide and lead in a sexy way, which lays the groundwork for an exciting, adventurous sex life. Step two, how to understand your partner's rhythm and pacing so you can give her intense pleasure. Step three, how to provide the deepest, most profound thing women crave in bed, which any man can give but most don't, and At least 40% of the women in the research mentioned this one thing, this one quality. And the final step, this is how to take sex to the next level by understanding your sexual range and hers. This concept of sexual range is extremely important, especially in long-term relationships. This is um, more advanced material, but it's, it's really important, especially if you want ongoing hot sex in a long-term relationship. So here's the deal. I'm going to run an initial special live version of this course, and I'm looking for five guys who want to be the first to take it. Now, I would love for those five guys to come from my community, men that already know me and my work, because first of all, you're my priority. And second, I would actually feel safer that way, teaching this material for the first time to guys who already know me and my work. So this is how it's going to work. There's going to be... um, So basically, this will be the only time that the course will be taught live. So it's a one-time, learn-it-with-me, participatory training. And like I said, I'm looking for the right fit, the right five guys to do this with, who really want to learn and are willing to contribute by asking questions, giving me feedback, 
and letting me know how awesome your sex life gets. Um, so to be eligible for that, you can be single or in a relationship and you can be at any, any stage, any level of sexual experience. This is going to be confidential. So the way this will work is that I'll teach a module and then we'll do a live Q and a section at the end of it with audio only. And that's only for me to listen to. So I may decide to incorporate your questions or your feedback into the course, but I'll do that myself. So your voice won't be on any public recording ever. Um, and the course, as you saw, only has four modules, so it's only going to be four weeks long. Now, eventually, I'll be offering this to the public as a pre-recorded course for around $500, but I'm doing this initial live version for $297. Plus, you'll be the only ones who'll get to do it live with me and ask questions, etc. as we go along. If you're selected to be one of the five, you're also going to get a bonus, which is cock control. And um, this is to overcome premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction for good. And it's going to be two to three interviews with men who've, who've gone through this, who've actually overcome these issues. Um, and this is partly because these are the these are a couple of problems that come up a lot in my surveys with men on sexual problems. And I want to help help get those solved. Um, so that will eventually be sold for 150 as a standalone. But if you do this initial, it'll be included. So it'll be please turn bed, the course plus cock control for a value of 650, but it'll be 297 if you're selected. So if you're interested in being one of those men, just email me your name and why you want to take the course by the end of the night on Sunday, November 11th, so this upcoming Sunday, just email me at melanie at pleaserinbed.com. That's M-E-L-A-N-I-E. And tell me a little about why you're interested, why you want to take this course. I will then select the men who are the best fit and we'll start the course next week. So if there's a week that you can't make for some reason, it'll all be recorded and I'll still want to know what you get out of it. Don't feel stressed though that you have to make every single one. We will work it out with our schedules with whoever, whoever comes in. So it's going to be an adventure. I'm really, really excited. It's going to be really fun and I'm super interested to see who, who comes in with me. Um, okay, so now I just want to leave you with a few quotes from women post-melting because I want women to be saying these same things about you. He broke me out of the cage of vanilla sex that was my marriage. It was slow and deliberate and left me begging in the end. I feel like he read me like a book played me like a fine instrument. <sighs> I love that one. And, and just one final thing before you go. And that's this. I truly believe that Kyle loved me and wanted to please me. And I think that if he had known how to lead, it would have affected a lot more than just the sex. If he'd really been able to provide that space and then hold it, hold the pose in sex, I really would have felt more heard and safer in the relationship, not just in bed. It would have had me feel more open to bring up other things, other ways we could have been closer, and I might have stayed with him. I left that relationship. And this is why I'm so passionate about my work, because in the end, this is about a lot more than just sex. It's about connection. It's about strong, healthy, open relationships. It's about trust and safety and love. It's, it's 
the best of what we can be, which is experience experiencing pleasure together and understanding each other and meeting each other together. So that's what I'm here to do. And um, I leave you with the following, which is I was um, I was open with the thousand women who shared about the men who were best in bed that my intention was to use the material to create a course for men about sex. And at the end, I asked if there was anything else they wanted to add. This was my favorite response. Send me the names and numbers of the ones who graduate. <laughs> So again, click below if you want to get access to the course and the bonus. That will be good for 24 hours, and then it will go back up to the regular price. And I wish you a very sexy day. That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.